Hey, good morning, church. Woo, man, what a rain we had this morning and last night. That's crazy. It was, uh, it was coming down. Hey, i um, got to say happy Father's Day. i got to take that moment. Happy Father's Day, fellow fathers. Good to have you all with us. So glad that you chose to come and worship with us today. A lot of times uh, Father's Day is Lake Day, and uh, so we're glad you're here to worship the, the Father before you get on with your uh, activities. Hopefully your family spoil you and uh, take good care of you, as I know mine will do for me today, because they're awesome. So anyway, hey, um, you know, uh, this past week, um, it was so cool. Uh, we had uh, what we've been kind of talking about or kind of announced over the last several uh, weeks, getting ready for the gold medal luncheon, which is a luncheon that uh, uh, our senior adult ministry really makes happen to honor couples who have been married for uh, 50 years plus. And uh, at that banquet, we had, I believe it was 40, was it 44, I think, 44 couples that were married over 50 years. That's awesome, okay? And so, uh, yeah, it it is uh, such a tremendous thing to be a part of a church that has that kind of a legacy among us that we can, uh, so many of us can look up to. And uh, we, it's just so important that we take time to honor, honor those couples. And so uh, I know we had uh, couples here from all three campuses, so, uh, which, is, which is cool. So, so excited about that. By the way, I need to say good morning after our Stone Canyon Vertigo's campus. I hadn't said that yet, so so good to have you with us. Everybody online, so good to have you with us. Hey, uh, right now, let's get, go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're going to be over in Matthew chapter 7. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, we are almost uh, to the place of wrapping up this series on the Sermon on the Mount. Next week, we'll be uh, wrapping it up. And, and heading into a new series after that. And so, uh, but this week we're in Matthew chapter 7 as we continue on in our inspired series, all right? So if you've missed any of it, um, <clears throat> be sure to go online and uh, catch up with it. All the videos are on there and you can uh, see where we've been. As we've been walking through this sermon, a sermon that has been considered the greatest sermon ever preached. And uh, so, uh, man, lots of Jesus... Uh, I mean, he's the master teacher, right? I mean, he packed so many good things in there. And uh, like we've said before, he, he took a 17-minute sermon, and uh, we try to make it as many uh, sermons as we can. It takes us uh, months, really, to dissect all the things that Jesus said in 17 minutes. It's crazy. But uh, anyway, so uh, where we've been, let's just back up just a little bit, a little, establish a little bit of context here. Jesus has his disciples at his feet, and around them he's got a crowd, and they're all listening in, and he began by talking about this kingdom that we're a part of, this different kind of a kingdom uh, where he is a different kind of a king and we're called to be a different kind of citizen. And then he began to unpack all the ways that we're called to be different. And when we're different, we make a difference, he said, that we're going to be salt and light in this world. And then he unpacked all the ways, the way we deal with conflict is going to be different. The way we deal with sexual purity is going to be different. The way we deal with marriage is different. The way we worship is different as we come in humility. Even last week we talked about that, that what we consider to be important in this life is even different as we talked about storing up treasures in heaven opposed to treasures on earth. And so, man, he's taking us a lot of different directions. This week, really what he's going to be talking about is how do we help people? How do we help people? Okay, And we're going to talk a lot about relationships. And really, a lot of what he's already talked about deals with relationships, but he's going to have us take it just a little step further. You see, here's what we know. Jesus desires that everyone would become a citizen of his kingdom. 
That's his desire. We know that. Scripture says that multiple times, that he desires that everyone would come and follow him. For God so loved the entire world that he gave his son. I mean, that's his, that's his hope. That's his desires that everybody would come into that relationship with him. That's his mission. That's his goal is that everybody would, be, everybody would become a part of this kingdom. And for us who are his followers, we're a part of that mission of helping reach people. Now here at First Church, we have a mission statement uh, that kind of conveys that idea. It's that statement where we say that we exist to obey Christ by helping others know, love, serve, and share Him. That, that's our mission. That's what we want to be about. Every program, every event that we do has to in some way help us accomplish that mission of helping others know, love, serve, and share Him. Let's unpack that for just a second here before we jump into all this. When we talk about that mission, first it starts off with we want to, be, we want to obey Christ. We want to be obedient church. We know that His mission is to, to change this world, to reach people, and so we want to obediently follow Him and be a part of that mission. We want to obey Christ. How do we do that? By helping others. The Bible's very clear. There's God's people. We're supposed to see the needs of others, and we're supposed to strive to do all that we can to meet that need. That's why we do things like we have our Love 918 movement, that we want to be out. We want to be helping and helping and helping and showing the love of Jesus so that others can come to know Him. We want to obey Christ by helping others, but what exactly do we want to help them do? We want them to, to come to know Love, serve, and share Him. Well, what, is all, what do all those things mean? Let me, let me take a whole sermon and give it to you in about 10 seconds. Um, no, we want people to come to a knowledge of who He is, okay? Who, who Jesus is and come to, to, to His presence, to experience His presence. Where does that happen? Typically, it's on Sunday mornings, on weekend services or, or events like this where we gather together and we want people to hear from God's Word and walk out of this place going, man, surely God was in this place. Wow. And we want them to come to know Him, but we want it to go past a, a head knowledge of who He is, but we want them to actually come into a loving relationship with Him. We want them to know Him and love Him. Well, where does that happen? Programmatically, we would say, well, that's our groups. We want people to get connected in groups so, because that's where we dive into God's Word and we go deeper into God's Word. And the more you know about God's Word, the more you love Him and desire to, to be in that relationship with Him. But, but, but even beyond that, that's where we really find a love for one another. That's where we have those relationships with each other. It goes far beyond what just happens in our seats in here or we're staring at the back of somebody's head. But we're actually having conversations, <laughs> getting to know people, and helping each other through life. And so we want people to be connected in, in groups. And then from there, we want people to serve, right? We want people to be engaged in ministry, using your gifts, your abilities for, for His purpose, for His kingdom to expand His kingdom. And so use your gifts, your abilities. Everybody, if you, if you are a part of this church family, there is an expectation that you would contribute, not just financially, that's important, we've got to do that, but contribute with your gifts, your abilities for God's mission, for God's purpose. And then the last one there is share. We want people to come to a place in their faith that they're able to share Jesus with others. What does that look like? We don't really program for share. I mean, you could say Love 918's that or our outreach ministries where, where we're trying, you know, we're trying to send people to Mexico this fall. Go and do that, which is awesome. You need to do that. But really, share is every one of us. As we live out our faith, we're called to be a light in this world. And so share is go. Just go. Be Jesus. Be ready to share your story of how Jesus changed your life. But go 
and share Him. And so that's what we want to be about. We want to, be, we want to obey Christ by helping others know, love, serve, and share Him. That's, that's who we are as a church as we strive to carry out His mission that He desires to reach more and more people to become a part of His kingdom. He desires to reach lost people. We need to be that kind of a church. That's what we desire to be. And so last week, He gives us, Jesus gave us kind of a uh, a how-to uh, seminar on, in, on investments, where are you going to invest in you know, this world or the next. This week, it's kind of a how-to seminar on how to help others. How do we help others? It's in our mission statement. We want to obey Christ by helping others. Well, how do we do that? Well, he gives us some pointers here there in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1. And the first one is this. How to judge others. Right? I mean, that, doesn't that just make sense? You were ready for that. You probably already had the blank filled in, didn't you? All right. How to judge others. Now, some of you are going, what? How does that help? Are we even supposed to do that? <laughs> Most people, when they look at this text that we're going to be talking about, think that it is saying, don't judge, period. Don't ever do it. But the reality is, he, he is as he addresses this, he's more saying how to judge. See, the fact is we all make judgments every day. Everybody does. Everybody in the world does. We, we judge. But followers of Jesus are to judge differently. Okay? Everything we've been talking about, everything he's been sharing with us, he's been saying, hey, do this different, do this different. If you're going to follow me, you've got to do it different. When he starts talking about judging, the call is to do it different. Look at verse 1 and 2 with me. It says this, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now you can see why verse 1, a lot of people just say, automatically say, well, see, yeah, you know, it's, it's the non-believer's favorite verse. <laughs> you know, do not judge. Thou shalt not. I mean, they can go King James on you and everything. And they, you know, thou shalt not judge. It's what your Bible says. Well, what's he really saying? And I'm not trying to do theological backflips, trying to get around this some way so we can just, you know, justify our judging because the church is really good at it. <laughs> but really, in essence, what he is saying is, do not be always judging. Don't make that the way you are in your approach to people. Coming across, not just judging, but being judgmental. Don't put yourself, really, don't put yourself in the position of God. You see, there's only really one judge whom we will all stand before one day. And so we can't put ourselves in His place. But there's still an element of judging that we are to participate in. Matter of fact, Jesus later over in John 7, 24, he, he says this, uh, do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. All right? And so there's, there's a right way. It's a different way. And there's a right way that we're supposed to carry this out. And he gives us a little bit more idea of what that looks like in our text today. Again, the reality is we all make judgments every day. Now, the, I won't say that we always make good judgments I mean, this morning I burnt the hair on my arm as I was trying to make eggs this morning. That was a bad judgment. Fire was taller and hotter than I thought. We all make bad judgments every day. How do we make good judgments that honor Him? You see, God, or Jesus in our text calls us to pay attention to how we 
judge. Because if we don't, we can easily become judgmental, critical, and our judging can turn into condemnation very quickly. And again, church has a pretty good reputation of being that way, condemning of others. Now instead, in our judging, we're to be gracious. We're to be gracious towards others. We're to show grace to others. Philip Yancey in uh, his book, Vanishing Grace, says that oftentimes followers of Jesus are perceived more as guilt dispensers than grace dispensers. I think what Jesus is calling us to in this text is that in our judging, we've got to show grace. In verse 2, he goes on, he says that it's the lens that we view others through that they will view us through. They will view us through the same lens. Now, most people want to take that verse and think that it's talking about God's judgment, that God will judge us the same way that we judge others. And if that's the case, we're all in a lot of trouble, right? But really, what he's saying in the context, he's talking about relationships with others. He's talking about people. People will judge you the way you judge them. You see why it's important to judge with grace? Because <laughs> we all need grace. You see, what, it's kind of that what goes around comes around uh, idea in this text. What happens when, when somebody is very condemning? Maybe you've known people like that. Maybe they're very judgmental at, at your work or, or uh, you know, uh, on a team or, or whatever. They always just seem like they're always looking down their nose at you and, and pointing out every wrong in the other people around you. What happens when they make a mistake? Everybody <laughs> turns on them, <laughs> all right? We've seen that in the media. We see that in the world today. We, we see that among, uh, you know, even preachers. You see a preacher in the, in the world that falls, and what happens? The media pounces because the idea is, well, they've been telling everybody how to live right now. They've fallen, so let's tell everybody in the world about what they've done. And the world condemns them. We will be judged the way we judge others. Now, if you want to live in that system, okay, if that's the system you want to live by, by, by you know, being judged the way you judge others, then you better be perfect, all right? We've had several times through Jesus' sermon where we've kind of had that idea in this Sermon on the Mount where, well, okay, if you want to try to live that way, you've got to be perfect. And I think maybe that's part of Jesus' point. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you won't be in the kingdom. And none of us will get, will get there. And that's why we need grace. Look at verse 3. Let's keep going. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? Jesus is trying to make a point. There's a log in your eye. <laughs> Maybe your version says it's a plank. Literally, it means support beam. Like railroad tie type thing. I mean, Jesus is trying to make a, a point with this metaphor that he's at, throwing out here. Right? He's like, you've got a huge log in your eye, but you're not paying any attention. But all you're not paying attention to it. You're only looking at. My version says, "Look at." Your version may, or mine says, "See." Your version may say, "Look at." Literally, it means, "Why do you look so intently at?" You're looking so intently at the other person's speck, the other person's issue. Uh, you're, you're literally, you're fixated on their little bitty speck when you've got the log in your eye. Why are you ignoring it? Why do you pay no attention to it? He asks. 
Have you ever got something in your eye before? Probably all of us have. It hurts. <laughs> and it's really, really hard not to pay attention to it. Even the smallest speck, let alone a log. He says, why don't you pay attention to it? Why don't we pay attention to our own issues? Why do we get so fixated on other people's issues? Why do we almost search for other people's issues? I like how one guy put it whenever he was talking about this. And it's almost like we're saying to the person that we are uh, fixated on their issue. We're, we're looking at them and saying, you know what? Your issues make me feel better about my issues, right? Your issues make me feel better about my issues. We can always find somebody that has bigger issues than our issues, right? Maybe. And so we want to look at those because it makes us feel better, because maybe, maybe, maybe my issues just really aren't that bad. But the fact is, we all have issues, right? But we like to, and Jesus points out here, we like to focus on everybody else's issues, their behaviors. Question, who do you tend to be most judgmental towards? Just this week driving, coming to the church, a lady, lady, I, I shouldn't have gave it that away, a lady honked at me when she was breaking the law. She got in the wrong lane. And in my mind, oh, I was like, what? I can't, I judge bad drivers. Been there? All right. Yeah, see that hand in the back? I mean, we, ah, what? How could you, how can you even think that I'm the one in the wrong when you're the one that did that? And, and man, my, your mind just gets going. But the list goes on of the types of people that we judge. Right? Skinny people, fat people, rich people, poor people, blah, 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 blah. You know, people who don't look like us, don't sound like us, different color. But, you know, just go down the list. We just, boom. And, and sometimes just bam, it just pops in our mind. And we just, we, it's like, where did that even come from? But we make a judgmental thought, have a judgmental thought, say a judgmental statement. It's just, who do you judge? Who is it? What issues do you have issues with? Jesus says, why are you so worried about everybody else? Matter of fact, he goes a little further, digs a little deeper. Verse 5, you hypocrite. <laughs> Doesn't pull any punches here. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. We've got to recognize we all have issues. We all have that log. We've got to deal with that. We need to deal with our sin. We need to, to give that to God. We need to allow His grace to cover us and recognize and live in this idea that, yeah, we need help too. We have issues too. And then, He doesn't say, and then leave everybody else alone. He doesn't say that. He says, then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye so that you, you get it out of your eye so that you can then go help others. You can go help somebody else with theirs. But you've got to deal with yours. And we deal with it by giving it to God, receiving His grace and His mercy. And then in turn, we become dispensers of that same 
grace and mercy as we help others. And if we're going to help others, here's where he starts. If we're going to help others, it starts with we've got to be able to approach them, judge them graciously. Graciously. Let's keep on going. What's the next thing that he gives us here? The next thing is this, how to relate to others. How to relate to them. How do we actually engage with, with them? Look at, uh, well, let me, yeah, let's just go ahead and jump over to verse 6. Because it'll make total sense once we read this, all right? Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Doesn't it make sense? You got it figured out? We'll just, let's just keep on going. Just kidding. No, uh, let's stop there for just a second, because a lot of people read that and go, what? Dogs and pigs and holy and attacking and pearls, what? You know, what, is this, what does this even have to do? Now, is, is Jesus like dogging people? <laughs> dogging, uh, dogging, you know, calling people dogs and pigs? Isn't that a little derogatory that he would do that? Jesus simply taking something out of their Jewish culture, Jewish uh, context, and using this as an example for them. He's saying, look, dogs and pigs are considered unholy in that time and he's talking about people who are not followers of God and he says hey hey don't try to give people who are not followers of God who don't get it who don't want to get it in many instances try to give them things of God when they're not even gonna they don't care they don't want it matter of fact might he just make them mad it's like you want to help someone and but yet they don't know God. They don't know the Bible. Matter of fact, they're in opposition to the Bible. And you come to them ready to quote your favorite Bible verses to them. And what do they do? Ah, I don't want to hear it. You know, and we see that in the world, don't we? And what I feel like, what I believe Jesus is saying here is, you need to know who you're talking to. You need to know who you're dealing with. So you know where to start. And if you begin to start with the things of heaven, the holy things, they're probably going to turn that off. But if you start with the earthly things, meet some needs, somebody has a need, we pour into their life, we meet that need, they see the love of Jesus, they see something that's very different, and they go, what is that? And then now there begins to be an open door. You see, if we're going to relate to people, we've got to know where they are at. And then we can hopefully begin to speak into their lives. Look at verse 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and, and the one who knocks it will be opened. Now, traditionally, this verse is, has been taken as, uh, hey, ask, seek, knock, go to God and he will give you whatever you ask for. I mean, like, Christians love this verse. It's like, yeah, give me, give me, give me, give me. And, and there's a progression here. You ask, Hey, God. And then there's seek, going after him. And then there's knock, let me in. I mean, there's a progression that happens. And, and, and again, we take it as this idea that this is for my circumstances, for my needs to be met. But is that, does that really fit with the context of what's happening here? Now, some people actually look at this verse and dealing with prayer. We know he's talking about going to God in prayer. We're going to hear that a little bit more here in a second. Uh, some people want to say, well, Matthew got confused. This should have been placed over where the Lord's prayer was when he was talking about prayer. But then Matthew, when he was recording, just kind of 
oh yeah, and put this down in kind of the wrong place? I don't think so. I think it's right in context. Because as we are striving to relate to others, to be able to help them so that they can come to be a part of the kingdom, we need God's help. We need to ask. We need to seek. We need to knock. God, I, I, I need to speak into this person's life. I, give me wisdom. Give me discernment to, to say the right things. God, God, help me to start with, help me to see my issues so that I can, I can be ready to, to speak to their issues. God, I need your help. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've had a friend who is going through a time of grief. They've lost somebody that they love, and, and you want to be there. You want to help them, and maybe before you walk through that door, you walk into that room, you just throw that prayer up. God, just help me to say the right things. God, help me to not speak when I shouldn't speak. Help me to listen. God, just help me in this moment. Give me discernment to be able to help my friend. Been there? We need that. We need his guidance. We need his help when we strive to help others. I think that's what Jesus is trying to get across here. Go to him for help. Can we go to him for our own circumstances, our own needs and things? Yes. We could fit that into this, I, I think. But in context, it seems to be all about this helping others. Look at verse 9. Or which one of you... If his son asks him for bread, we'll give him a stone. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a serpent. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts uh, to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? He uses an analogy of dads. Great message for Father's Day. Mother's Day, we talked about anger and murder. Um, this, this message actually could fit for Father's Day pretty good. Um, but he does call you evil. All of us fathers were evil. Um, he does go there, not a lot of encouragement. But he looks at the dads. He's got mainly all men around him, we'll assume. Uh, and, and he looks at them and says, hey, you dads, though you're evil, <laughs> though you're sinful, you're, you're not perfect. Any perfect dads out here? All right. How many times a day have you already been told you're not perfect? You know, you already messed up a few times a day. You know, it, it, you know none of us are, all right? But even though you're not perfect, even you know when your child comes and asks for something, for bread, you don't give him a stone. For fish, you know, if he asks for a fish, you don't give him a snake. You know. How much more will your Father, our Father, our perfect Father, perfect example in heaven, how much more confident can we be that He will give? good gifts he will he will answer our asking and our seeking and our knocking especially in our context when it comes to wanting to help others he we know he wants to help others and i think whenever we come to him he's like oh yes i've been waiting for you to ask because i, I want to speak in this person's life i want to help them and i want to use you to do it you see helping others requires getting help from god it requires that. We need that so that we can relate to them in such a way that they'll be open to the kingdom. Last thing is this. How do we treat others? How do we treat them? How do we judge them? How do we relate to them? How do we actually really treat them? Now, some people look at verse 12 and say this would be, this is the, the summation of the entire Sermon on the Mount, that this really is the, the, kind of the pinnacle verse to wrap it all up. Could be. 
But let's just look at that real quick. It says this, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, you could say it's a summation of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus really says, hey, this is the law and the prophets. All the law and all that the prophets said, we go back to the Old Testament, really it all comes as do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. It's just that just put it all in there. You know, if we're going to help others, we've got we to gotta treat them this way. We've got to treat them the way we want to be we want to be treated. There was a uh, seminary student once, very legalistic seminary student, who uh, his desire was that everything that he did, he could substantiate with uh, a verse out of the Bible. Every decision he made, every action that he did, he wanted to be able to give a verse to back it up. And, and when he was able to give book, chapter, verse, he felt very confident and like he was standing on the solid rock. And, and, uh, and so uh, while he was a seminary, that's how he strived to live. And, and for the most part, that worked out really well on a Bible campus, okay? Until he met a girl. And this girl kind of stole his heart. And as they talked and got to know each other uh, and started going on some dates, he came to a place where he really wanted to kiss the girl. <laughs> Problem was, he couldn't find a verse. And so each evening, he would walk her to her dorm and gaze into her eyes and then just say, good night. Turn and walk away. And this happened over and over, over, over the course of a week, and then two weeks, and, and he kept going through the Scriptures, trying to find a verse. God, show me a verse. I can kiss this, my girl, you know. And another night, he goes and walking to the dorm, and he, he's going to do the same thing. Still hasn't found a verse, and begins to stare into her eyes. And she grabbed him, pulled him in, and mwah, gave him a big kiss. And he pushed away. And all he could say was, Bible verse, Bible verse. At that, she grabbed him again, pulling him close again, and said, Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Mwah, gave him another big kiss. <laughs> yes! It's probably not the greatest analogy because you could take that a lot of bad directions. Um, but it's a verse that I think is pretty common to many of us. We've heard it. Treat others like you'd want to be treated. It's the golden rule. I've heard that. But it's so hard to live by sometimes. It's so hard to, to treat others like we want to be treated. We don't often pause and think that through. That's what Jesus calls us to. If, if we're going to make a difference in this world, we've got to live differently in this world. And that means we're going to treat others like we want to be treated. We want to, how do we do that? We, we have to take ourselves, we have to take our lives, we have to look at somebody else's circumstance, and we need to have empathy. We need to put ourselves in their shoes. How would I respond to that situation if I was in that same circumstance? 
If I had that same past, if I had those same parents, if I had that same upbringing, if I had the same circumstance, if I, if, I had, if I lost my job, if I lost my spouse, if I lost, you go down the list. Well, how would I respond? Am, am I going to sit here in judgment? I can't believe they're handling it this way. Or am I going to slow down enough to examine the situation, get to know the person, get to find out why they're like they are, and then I can speak into the situation and treat them the way I'd want to be treated. We as Christians, we need to stop looking down our noses at everybody else. And we need to listen to these words of Jesus. And we need to start treating others like we want to be treated. With respect. With a willingness to be, uh, or a desire to be, to be heard and listened to. At the beginning of this year, we launched with a, a, a vision for this year, and, and we simply said, you've heard us say it over and over, 2017, we want to, we want to reach lost people, we want to grow found people. Um, we want to be a community where everyone is welcome, We're not looking down our nose at anybody, anybody can come in this place, everybody's welcome, because no one's perfect, we know that, nobody's perfect, figure that out, we all have issues, but anything is possible, God can do anything in anyone's life. That's our vision. The reason we worked on that and came up with that, it's not new to us. The reason we adopted that is because, you know what, we recognize we, over the years, have drifted to becoming a church that was inward focused. In a lot of ways, we began looking down our nose at others around this community and casting judgment. It's not the kind of church Jesus desires. He desires for us to be a church that makes a difference. That will do whatever it takes to help others come to know, love, serve, and share Him. That's the kind of church we want to be. This last week, we had two funerals. Dear saints in our church. Number one was Bessie Myers, 99 years old. She was our oldest member. She's been a part of this church for over 45 years. And I can't imagine the amount of ministry she, has poured, she had poured out uh, in, in those years and uh, celebrated her life this week. Another one, uh, his name was uh, Richard Manel. He's known as Mr. Richard out at Verdigris. He would show up at the Verdigris campus and they would have a chair right out front for him and he'd be out there just greeting. 86 years old, he passed away this week. His story's a little different than Bessie's. He was a Navy man and uh, uh, after losing his wife uh, a couple of years ago, last year he was befriended by some of our people from Vertigris. In May of last year, at the age of 85 years old, they brought him up here to our North Barnett campus and baptized him into Christ. Now, in my mind, I think and wonder, did Bessie, in her faith and how she served and desired to reach others and others like her what impact did that have on this church over the years to bring us to be a church that desired to launch campuses and other locations to reach people that we can't reach here is Richard some of Bessie's treasure that we talked about last week is there a chance that when they got to heaven 
maybe they met and and Richard got to tell Bessie, hey, thank you for your faithfulness. Because of you, I came to know Jesus. Maybe. We're all called to make a difference. And we're called to be a church to make a difference. But we won't make a difference until we realize that we need help ourselves. That we are a people that need grace. And we need God to step into our lives and help us. So that we can help others. You see, helping others starts with seeing our need for help. And maybe you need help. If you have sin, you do. You need Jesus. May every one of us today go to him for help. Whether it's for our own sin, God, I need you. I need you to forgive me. Help me not to be judgmental. Or maybe it's ask, seek, not. God, I want to speak in this person's life and I need your help. I want to make a difference. We want to be a church that makes a difference. Father in heaven, that's our prayer. Help us to be a people that see the needs around us. And instead of looking at people in need judgmentally, help us to see them with love and grace and a desire to help and speak in their lives so that they can come to be a part of you, your kingdom. God, grow our faith. Take us where you want to take us. Use us how you want to use us. Help us to change the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.